Borak Thong Earthlets. Before we begin the show, I'd like to apologize for the audio quality of this episode and the next few episodes. Unfortunately, I had some of my audio settings done incorrectly and didn't realize it for a couple show tapings. I've since fixed the problem and it should be smooth sailing from here on out. Uh, so please bear with us for these next few episodes. Thank you for your patience and on with the show. Splendug Birthrig! My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox. This is the 37th episode of Space Spinner 2000. Oh, God. Exactly. A podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD and Star-Lord for August 1979, progs 124 through 127. This week, we'll see the end of Project Overkill and Dan Dare, and (laughs) and 2000 AD will absorb another weekly comic, Tornado, which will bring three new thrills, The Mind of Wolfie Smith, Black Hawk, and Captain Klepp. Uh, it should be fun and I'll just warn you I'm sick this week so you know don't adjust your podcast um, devices I was gonna say you sound kinda you know like you alright bud it's just how just how it goes you know I'm not contagious through the radio I promise well you know I mean if you were running a little hot I'd understand Uh, I'm gonna plant you for these puns Fox (laughs) oh yeah and so we go to Thrill One, Judge Dredd. Nicely done. Indeed. A script robot for Judge Dredd this month is John Wagner, writing as John Howard, art robots Ron Smith, John Cooper, and Brian Bolland, lettering robots Tom Frame. You were, uh, you were telling me before, because I think Tom Frame does a damn good job. Yeah, he does um, like 80% of the lettering for all of these 2080 comics. You see his name constantly. Yeah, is it just like, it's pretty normal to go with the same people, then? I feel like it is. I mean, um, like back in the 60s, like in the Silver Age of Marvel and stuff, they had like two guys doing the lettering for all their stuff. Uh, Sam Rosen and Artie Simek. And just like, it, it just feels like if you're a letterer, you just churn out as much as, much as you can, I think. Mm. It's, it's, it, it is one of those jobs where you're like paid by the page or by the panel or word or something like that, you know? That's pretty awesome. Because what I will say is, like, it's fairly clean because you can see this exploding tower and these. It this is a the the first couple pages of this are completely horrific. Yeah, like it is amazingly well done, and things aren't are just like not in the way. It's super awesome. Yeah, so we we pick up where we left last week, where the disciples of Father Earth have set up a huge bomb inside Mega City One's geothermal power system, the uh, tower, the the power tower. <laughs> and now the, the building of power exactly and now the uh, building is a huge volcano spilling lava onto the streets and the art for this is just amazing like ron smith is just draws like the this massive chaos of lava flying through the street uh mutants attacking the city and just be people sort of running for cover and stuff really awesome it just gets a huge sense of like chaos and like incident that's very awesome so like the two that stuck out to me was like there's this apartment that cracks in half, and this guy's like, Dorothy! And this woman's, like, falling to her death into, yeah. like, this lava explosion. There's another one where Judge Shred's trying to save this woman, and she falls through a crack in the street, only to have him, like, run up to try and grab her hand, but instead, like, the crack just crushes back together. Yeah, it just slams shut. There's just hands coming out of this crevasse <laughs> thing. It's awesome. It's, 
This is so intense. Yeah. So, Dread takes down some of the uh, some of the muni attackers, but ends up just barely outracing a huge wall of lava. And After which... one of them runs into the wall of lava. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just total like chaos. Everybody's dying. No one knows what's going on. Eventually, Dread is the cool hand to call in the Holocaust Squad, which is the most awesome thing. They're in these giant like suits that uh, they kind of look like. What are those old um, uh, scuba suits called? Yeah, yeah, like uh, diving bells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really intense. Yeah, they're a team of elite judges that just do suicide missions. They are so awesome. Yeah, they drop in these cool heat suits, and even though they're these giant things, they'll only protect from lava for like three minutes. So this leads to an amazingly tense scene where we sit with Dread as he listens on the radio helpless as the Holocaust swatters try to like stop the lava flow, each one dying in turn, until finally we've seen that they succeeded. It's really awesome and really like tense as you mostly just see like dread sitting on a radio, like waiting to hear the results of their actions and stuff. No, and it's like, you know, one guy dies because his parachute just like completely rips apart and you're listening to these two people trying to close this valve and one of them dies and then the other one goes and it's like, crap, it's not going to happen. But it's like, oh, wait, look, they actually did it. And, you know, it's. It's really awesome. It's, yeah. it's all fit into one prog of mm-hmm. just like tightly knit action. Yeah, it's awesome. But so, hey, now that now the disaster yeah. has been diverted, it's time for a reckoning with Father Earth. Oh, it's uh, it's so awesome. Like, it, the, so before it's all fire, brimstone, and all of this stuff. In this one, it's like plant devouring awesomeness. Yeah, because first we go to the uh, alien carnivorous plant section of the Mega City One Botanical Gardens and oh man, it's full of deadly plants and they're eating everybody. Which of course you need a deadly carnivorous plant. I mean, you gotta research them and like have them cataloged in your zoo, basically. But yeah, they're... Just like not have them exist ever. Man, that's that's Dan Dare logic right there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But now the plants are eating people, they're shooting deadly puffballs, that like make people explode and they're like singing evil siren songs that like people get addicted to and it's like super ecstasy they walk up to it these tentacles wrap around them then just like yum yum exactly yeah um meanwhile dread is closing in on father earth stopping to re-arrest the cosmic punks those uh, show up again yeah the death race yeah well those were the guys that he kicked out of the out into mutiland back in like Prague 110 Mm-hmm. episode 33 of the podcast meanwhile father earth is distraught because their attack has failed until he hears the call of the blood plant which is the plant that sings the siren song and stuff <laughs> or as he calls it the god plant yeah it's the voice of god calling me <laughs> so dread gives chase as the cultist gets closer and closer to this main plant each one dying in various plant type ways as they go <laughs> <laughs> eventually uh finally the big plant swallows father earth whole and that's oh. it for this one he's one with nature now it was it was this awesome scene where he's like walking up to the thing and only one person has survived which is one of the chicks who watered his body flowers yeah and then she gets eaten up and she's like oh help me and he's like nah you 
you got taken. Yeah, you're not the, worthy the, enough. The price you pay for not being worthy of plant love or whatever. <laughs> and then he gets like brought up to the giant mouth that eats all the people, and it like comes down to eat him up. And he's like, "Oh, it's going to kiss me!" And then it just slurps him up, and then swallows him and you can see his imprint and its gullet and it's, yeah. it's super gross it's a very little shop of horrors type situation for sure yeah it's <laughs> intense judge dread yeah but so with father earth defeated it's time for another story in this case judge dread gets called on a case by a talking cat which is awesome and with that reference it's now a real it's a now a real internet show this show is because <laughs> <laughs> Because talking cat. Because references. Um, The talking cat leads Dredd to a lab where animal testing is going on and explains that he wants Dredd to free Monty the guinea pig, who is kind of a mascot among this menagerie of test animals. He's got a he's got a tiny eye patch. It's true. He's been super experimented on. Yeah. Dredd can't do anything because the scientist in question, Dr. Galt, isn't breaking any laws. But then he has Mac, the Justice Department computer. Uh, check the guy out, and it turns out that he's written a novel about recreating the common cold germs and then using them to blackmail the city. <laughs> Which, really, man, like, if you're going to do the crime, don't just, like, write about it, you weirdo. He's a doctor. You know, you got to publish your parish, I guess. Um, I guess. Dredd rechecks the lab and learns that Monty is actually being, Monty the guinea pig is being, is being used to bring back those cold genes. He's going to get injected. It's yeah. sad. Dredge stops him just in time. With, th- with a cat, like, karate chopping a dude in the face. Yeah, the cat forces the doctor to inject himself with his own cold genes. He swiftly dies, and Dredd frees the lab animals. Two days later, the Dredd Act is passed, banning the use of animals in scientific experimentation in Mega City 1. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, fair enough. That's fine. Well, so what I'm saying is that's better than the, like, Tharg talking you down every annual about hunting animals. That's true. That's, yeah, that, that's, definitely, that's definitely a true statement. Anyway, Walter ends up with a new gerbil. It's true. I tried to look up further encounters of Monty the guinea pig, and I couldn't find any, so we'll Aww. see if he shows up again. That's too bad, because, like, that is at least something for Walter to do that isn't so annoying. It's true. <laughs> so in our final story, a fog has descended onto, a na- onto one specific neighborhood, Mega City 1. Yeah, the weather machine is broken or whatever. Yeah. Two ladies walk home from work late at night. One is attacked by an evil dude in a cloak and top hat. They're super creeps. Yeah. The other lady reports the crime to Dredd and a female judge, who despite not really having a speaking role, is one of the first fully uniformed female judges we've seen so far in 2000 AD, which is kind of interesting. I'll be perfectly honest. It looks like Judge Dredd in profile with lipstick on. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're still working on building it up, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So Dredd finds the killer and takes him out, and it turns out that it's Sweeney Todd, or at least... A robot of Sweeney Todd with a tag for the Chamber of Horrors, which Dredd investigates. And it turns out that the Chamber of Horrors is like a robot waxworks, basically, full of 19th century murderers and stuff. It's fallen on hard times, and the owner is trying to send his murder bots out to steal money, but they keep killing people instead. Because all they know how to do is kill. It's true. Yeah, Dredd barges in, destroys a bunch of the robots, and arrests the owner. It's hard to identify them uh for me, but this seems like another example of a Brian Balland using pictures from movies as characters in the comic. Like the Hunchback yeah. of Notre Dame really looks like it's like a, from us from a still from movies about the Hunchback and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. That said, the art is super awesome, and this is a fun one shot. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's the... Uh, I'm surprised they didn't just have him take a break at this point, you know? Because they had a good, like, three or four-parter, and then this one's just kind of a one-off. I mean, you know... like they're ready for a break. Now you got to fill that prog, man, which is why we get a big, multi, a big important multi-parter <laughs> next week with Battle for the Black Atlantic. Oh, God. Which is a big a big first, one of the early shots in the... Uh, in the Mega City One Sov City War, as we'll see, we'll get to it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but hey, speaking of uh, deadly seas. Oh no! Thrill <laughs> Two Disaster 1990. Oh God! Script robot is Gary Finley Day. Art robots Carlos Pino. Lettering robot Steve Potter. No, it's not the release of ill-fated Bill Cosby comedy Ghost Dad, but instead <laughs> the complete flooding of England because of the polar ice caps being destroyed. Oh my, what? Yeah. Are he- <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm, 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 I'm trying to find a new disaster that took place in 1990 for the start of this uh, thing every week. <laughs> That was really great. Um, but so our hero, Bill Savage, along with his new science buddy, Professor Bamber, um, are hanging out, and they've spotted a bunch of killers disguised as Royal Marines about to attack a bunch of innocent people on the top floor of Harrod's department store. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have any weapons, so what can they do? The answer is start running over the bad guys' boats once they reveal themselves <laughs> as baddies to the star fo- to, to the store folk. Oh, oh, and then um, shooting a grenade that someone's priming and well, then blowing in, that, in true fashion of Bill Savage. That's, af- that's after he gets his shotgun back. First, first oh, he starts right. first he starts careening through them because his uh, his duck, which is like an amphibious truck, basically is duck, duck. Ba- basically able to flip the zodiacs that the body that the uh, bad guys are using. Which, I don't know why he just didn't do that to everybody, but whatever. Yeah, well, they have guns and stuff. It's not like, you gotta do that. that that's an opening move, and then you gotta find a second move, you know? <laughs> Which is the shotgun. Yeah, well, then someone in the store tosses him his shotgun, and he uses it to uh, kill a guy who's about to throw a grenade at him. So instead, that guy drops the grenade, and they blow up and stuff. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Mario is to Big Mushrooms as Bill Savage is to me shotgun. Honestly, I'd say it's more like the star. <laughs> well, because it never really leaves his side for the most part, unless you're counting all the weird times that he had like a pistol or whatever. Okay, that's true. I'm just saying that it makes him invincible. Um. It does. Okay, you know. <laughs> um, it is true. <laughs> so uh, Savage manages to bluff the. So it turns out that that's a bunch of convicts who first stole a bunch of prison guard uniforms, then used that to trick the Marines to steal their uniforms. Um, yeah, exactly. Next, they're going to steal the prime minister's suit or something like that. But uh, <laughs> so Savage manages to bluff the convicts until nightfall, when they attack and Savage and the people escape out the back on the duck, rowing it for extra stealth. Oh yeah, they're like getting drunk and playing cards, but they laid a, a secret trap just in yeah. case someone tried to get out at night. Yeah, as Savage at all escape, they run over a water trip flare giving off their position. Get the motor running. We gotta escape these bad guys and quick. But how are you gonna do that? Probably by going forward. So, as the, as our guys try to escape, there's a neat part where they start tossing all the stuff they stole from Harrods off the duck to like lighten the load. Including champagne from 79. Well, it's all a combo of both fancy stuff like champagne and rough stuff like Campbell's beef, uh, uh, tail beef and stuff. 
But so the duck arrives at a shell station and Savage has an idea where he has the leader of the rich guys and the leader of the poor guys swim down and open up the pumps. All right. And, so real quick here. I mean, I know this is the first time we've ever seen him use this move, but this was move used like every time there was derision in the ranks with yeah. Savage. Oh, you know, it's a good, uh, it's a good, what, what team building technique, I'd say. <laughs> like, get the fuck in the water, I don't care. Yeah. So, this fills the water with gasoline, and when the bad guys show up, Savage shoots the gasoline water with a shotgun, which sets it aflame. I'm not sure so that's how that works, but I'm willing to go with it. Whatever. They needed to make an oil and water joke. They did. Everything blows up, and then there's fire. And then, of course, the classic end of the Prague double cross. Yeah, well, the convict leader survives, and they try to pull him aboard to like help him, but then he pulls a knife, so he gets tossed back in. With a shotgun to the face. Yeah. Like, like, I can't tell you, this is like the tropiest Bill Savage prog ever, and that's what I love the most of it. Hey, why not, you know? Um, so, along the way, we uh, the guys manage to get a sweet new car radio, which they get a signal for as they drop off the Heritage folks from Radio Oxford. Oxford, I guess. Or oh, I guess Oxford, that, that could be Cambridge. Ca- oh, man, there's some British people who are not going to like that right now. <laughs> I don't know how it works. Um, but... but that's where Bamber went to school, so let's go check it out. Engage Invasion Tour of England Protocols. Oh my god, that's right. Now they're going to a different <laughs> place other than London Town. And then they and they stop by tourist attractions, too. So, oh, so great. They stop by a zoo in... Hold on. God, but I don't it's still know. in London. It, like, while Savage naps, Bamber drives the duck onto an island, not realizing that's part of the London Zoo. And now they're stuck... And he's dumb. Exactly. Now they're stuck in mud and surrounded by alligators. <laughs> because of reason. Yeah, they see one building that still has powers that still has power and savage decides oh i'll go there and just electrocute all these um all these lizard all these alligators and be free which i think is is great logic to be honest i have to ask you what did you think of the i'm bill savage i'm shooting an alligator in the neck shot i thought it was pretty awesome i gotta say especially when he then uses the dead body of the alligator as like a uh as like a paddle board to like swim to the building that still has uh, electricity which is awesome, because, you know, the first thing that you do when you want to jump into a building uh, under a skylight is put the giant piranha tank right there. Man, they aren't expecting people to enter through the skylights. They put the piranha tank where they want. That's fair, I guess. Yeah, but so he enters the building and finds a huge piranha tank. He breaks it, which then and then the piranhas go out and skeletonize all the alligators instantly. Including the cheesy fish that were also inside. <laughs> well, yeah. Fox found a great picture of fish eating alligators, and the fish are not drawn to a very high level of detail and look more like uh, goldfish crackers. Yeah, they're like all the way in the background. So if you're reading along with us, it's a couple pages in. It's the one where the the shot where the alligator is getting uh, eaten to bits by a bunch of piranhas, but in the left hand side, it's fish crackers. I'll uh, I'll put it on social media for this week. <laughs> Thank you. It's my favorite picture of all time. I kind of want that as my tattoo. Oh, no. But so, now the gators have all been skeletonized, but the water's full of deadly piranhas. Luckily, the electrocution plan is still working, so Savage zaps all the piranhas, and now two different species of animals have been murdered, so it's let's move on. (laughs) So I guess he's perfectly fine. He just picks up the wire and then throws it in the water, and just he doesn't get electrocuted at all? I think his feet were up above the water. 
But they weren't when he had the shovel in his hands. I don't know what to tell you. Too much about this. Yeah. <laughs> and plus, I'm preventing us uh, from going to the next book. Well, yeah. So, oh no, our guys get caught in the current and barely survive. The duck this is, is so cool. Yeah, the the duck is all smashed up, and it needs new gaskets, but they don't have any. Luckily, Slick Sam, a bloke on a barge with tons of stuff, has managed to already start predatory hoarding and selling essential food and uh, supplies. He only takes gold and silver. It's true. Yeah, Savage ends up trading his shotgun for the gasket. Oh, no. This is, I mean, hey, they need it. Because yeah. they got to go check out that signal. As they do this, Bamboo see, uh, like sees some turf on the bottom of Slick Sam's boat. And that's all the info Savage and some town folk need to find Sam's base of, op- of operations, the flooded Wembley Stadium. And get rowdy. Yeah. Savage and the townsfolk sneak in and take all of Slick Sam's stuff. They're talking about lynching him when Bamber explains that the structure of the stadium is unstable and the whole place starts to collapse, making a big whirlpool. Oh, jeez. And, yeah, that's kind of where we end off. Yeah. A horrific whirlpool in the middle of Wembley. Yeah, it's like a bathtub that's had the, uh, had the plug pulled out. It's, uh, it's a little terrifying. Next time, the big leap. Which, all right. Yeah, surprisingly decent. Um, Bill's, you know, Bill Savage invasion shotgunning stuff this week. All right. So I'm starting to think that Invasion 1990 is like this prologue to how Bill Savage became amazing with a shotgun. Yeah, uh, yeah, he definitely. Was amazing the minute that it touched his hands. Yeah, sometimes it's just right, you know? <laughs> I, so. It, this isn't an origin story anymore. It's really just we don't have any more things that we can do with invasion. We've passed up the Volgon things to these ABC warriors. What can we have Bill Savage in? And let me tell you what I love more than anything is a stupid reason to have Bill Savage in anything. <laughs> Absolutely. But hey, speaking of ABC warriors, Fox. <laughs> Thrill 3 ABC warriors. Atomic bacterial chemical warriors! Script robot for ABC Warriors is Pat Mills. Art robots are Brett Ewings and Mike McMahon. Like, there's just a crazy amount of artists involved in this first ABC Warriors story. And they look beautiful. You guys did amazing art. It's it's cool. The letter robot's Peter Knight. But so, the duel, we left with a... Hammerstein trying to recruit the Mystic Knight robot uh, deadlock into the ABC Warriors. Mm-hmm. And so they're having a duel to decide it. The duel is on, and it is awesome. Oh, it's it's motorcycles. Yeah. It's, it's jousting sticks. Yeah. Well, before the fight, they both draw cards. Hammerstein gets the Ten of Swords, which shows a robot being killed by a ton of swords, and, and Deadlock gets the Ace of Swords, which is very cool. And also, both of these cards, ominous, remember them later. Oh, yes. So, they joust on hover bikes and then go hand-to-hand as they fight, like, Deadlock's body, like, comes apart to dodge sword blows and stuff, which is pretty which awesome. Which is pretty, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. And and his, uh, uh, Hammerstein's other buddies have been drugged with, uh, with bad oil, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah, so, Deadlock explains the Knights Marshal have discovered the secrets of death and through it, a dark path to chaos, which is chaos with a K, mm-hmm. um, that gives them crazy magical powers, basically. 
i.e. more and more this is warhammer 40k and i love it <laughs> it's it, don't get me started um so with a magical strike deadlock defeats hammerstein Meanwhile, in his sleep, Mongrel hears the voice of Laura and comes awake and starts wrecking shop and wakes up the others. I love that she keeps coming back as his inspiration to Hulk out. Yeah, totally. So as, as the bots go to free Hammerstein, the knights are doing a ritual on him, inserting 12 swords into his body, as the card says. Mm. At the last minute, um, however, Hammerstein grabs one of the swords and holds it to Deadlock's throat. And this sword is actually the Ace of Swords. Oh, snap. The Ace of Swords! Exactly. It restores Hammerstein's life energy and forces Deadlock to join the team, and they're off to get their next member, the evil General Black Blood. And things get really intense. Ugh, I'd rather die than fight alongside that scum. Yeah, well, mostly because the opening scene, of course, is a bunch of daddy long legs, Vogue cannon machines that are yeah. like. Oh, look, there's a school full of children. Explode. Yeah, smash cut to the island of Bougainville, off the coast of Papua New Guinea, where futuristic kids are being taught that they are the future, now that the Vogan War is ending, by young Miss Sweet. But suddenly, the Vogans attack! They explode the school. Yeah, like Fox said, they're all coming in on these daddy long-legs walkers, which are these big three-legged, like, long-legged, like, walking things. And then there's a bunch of uh, gorilla fighter robots, the Straw Dogs who are covered in palm fronds and otherwise basically just like teeth and guns. Yep. It's really like Mike McMahon at his most Mike McMahon, honestly. <laughs> um, their leader is General Blackblood, and he's like covered in like metals and ipulets and hisses all the time, and he's just super evil. And he drinks the, the blood of his fallen robot enemies or oil, of, exactly. oil and blood. Yeah. So the mission is for Joe Pineapples to shoot Black Blood in the heart with a sniper rifle. A1. Then he'll be reprogrammed as a good guy. But first they have to fight him. N and V. <laughs> yeah, null and void, buddy. Dude, I love Joe Pineapples. <laughs> the ABCs kill their way through the tun through, through the jungle. Gotta kill through the jungle. Picking up Miss Sweet along the way. But Black Blood and the Straw Dogs are experts in jungle camouflage, and they could be anywhere. So, the Warriors are fighting. So, next prog, the Warriors are fighting through the jungle as Miss Sweet complains the whole way. Eventually, it ends up with a hostage situation with one of the school kids and Black Blood. And Joe Pineapples, the best sniper in the world does the old uh, shoot-through-the-kid's armpit trick to shoot Black Blood in the heart. Yep. And he's beaten. Now they got to take so, him back to HQ and de-evil him. So what I love about this prog, because we're, we're one away from the end, uh -huh. is, the, is the color spread for yeah. this one, where it just shows all the ABC warriors all gathered around Miss Sweet, and it's just, you know, deadlock with a cool sword, smashing a dude in the face... Hammerstein with a rocket launcher. Um, the big guy who I'm forgetting is Mongrel. Name. Mongrel. Just like, bro, I'm going to smush things. Joe Pineapple's lasering stuff. And uh, and the cowboy one. Uh, I'm really bad at <laughs> uh, Happy Shrapnel. Oh, that's right. Happy Shrapnel. And he's just shooting his laser pistols. It's good. It's really good. This all this ABC Warriors stuff seems like everybody working on their top form. Honestly, everything's real good. Everyone's excited to uh, make ABC Warriors. It seems like it. Honestly, it's like the new sweetheart, and I love it so yeah. much. Especially when we get introduced to our final 
ABC war. Yeah. So the Volgon War has ended with the death of Marshal Volgod at the hands of badass, indestructible robot Steelhorn, who's all gem skin with horns and a huge axe. And he can't be destroyed. No, he's invulnerable. As the uh, as the since the war's ended, he's become pa- a pacifist, and despite Hammerstein's best effort to kick his ass back into fighting, Steelhorn refuses. Yeah, he's like, look, dude. Things are cool now. I'm, uh, I want to be a fireman. I won the war with my own two fists. All right. Yeah. Um. So he yeah, he, he goes to the official demob camp to turn in his weapons and to live his dream of being a fireman. But in fact, the whole demob camp is a trap because the humans don't want these robots lording it over everybody after the war. So instead, they're melting them all down. Even Steelhorn's indestructible body eventually succumbs to the flames, or so everybody thinks. But Hammerstein gets an emotional spider sense. Yeah, he go. He had he had abandoned um, Steelhorn, but he goes back to check. From the melting vat comes a giant animated mess. All it knows is hate. As the real animated, uh, as the reanimated body of Steelhorn advances to kill all humans. Oh yeah, man. I mean, ne- I would. <laughs> Next episode: Revenge of the Mess. Which is a really great name for a bride. Yeah, well, that's the name of this guy, the Mess. Really? Yeah, they just put is him he... in. A, I, mean, I don't want to spoil you for two episodes from now, but they just put him in a jar and he kind of like, carry him around. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty awesome, honestly. Okay, I was, I was hoping that he actually becomes an ABC warrior. Oh yeah, with him being a, a goo. Definitely, this is the seventh. This is the final member for sure. Oh, we're ABC about to, Warriors are shaping up to be so good. We're basically one month away from finding out why they're actually assembling this team. You know, Lord, <laughs> still? Yeah, we don't know. I no, I mean, I it's like if it's if next month does not answer some questions. No, no, it does. After right. or I mean, not next month because next month we're doing the Dandare annual or, or next episode uh, we're doing the Dandare annual. Stop. But after that, they start answering questions. <laughs> I was just gonna say if I had to wait any longer it'd be a little bit of uh overkill ah let's <laughs> <laughs> be doing finger guns at you for the excellent transition thrill for project overkill also a uh, special shout out to uh even more fire what's up flamethrower all right so project overkill written by or script robot kelvin gosno art robot jesus redondo lettering robot jack potter so, uh, Kenny Harris and his new U.S. Air Force doctor friend are going to steal, steal a plane to take down the mysterious Project Overkill, but along the way, they've, they're met by an evil member of that group. He's a giant dude with an awesome flamethrower, so be careful. Yeah, he's super into shooting fire at your face. Yeah. They eventually take him down by basically dumping water on him from like a fire, from like a, a, a fire bucket. And, and then, then for the second time, electrocuting a motherfucker. Yeah, it's a big week for, or it's a, it's a big month for electrocuting uh, wet bad guys, for sure. Yep. Fire and water, I guess. Yeah. So they steal an EC-121H Super Constellation plane. Um, <laughs> a real thing, definitely. I, 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 I can only assume so. It's a big old plane, and it's packed with super advanced anti-electronic detection hardware from the Vietnam War, meaning that they quickly disappear from Air Force radar. As, it doesn't matter because the bad guys, even more super or secreter jets, show up. Yeah, as they arrive at the Ohio desert, <laughs> <laughs> they are greeted by four evil-looking Project Overkill fighter jets. What can an unarmed plane do against these warplanes? 
The answer is a lot. <laughs> Kenny yep. hits Everything. the br- he hits the brakes on his plane and ends up ramming uh, ramming into one of the planes on his tail, which destroys it. <laughs> And then they go into a nosedive where they're like, "All right, we're ready to die, but at least we'll hit right into the middle of the base." Right, but uh, when they when they radiation. yeah, but when they do, they get hit by a by a tractor beam and get pulled into the mountain, which opens up like a cool James Bond thing. Yeah, it's it was my favorite part actually. Inside the mountain, it's all stormtroopers except for one of the flight attendants from Kenny's flight. He goes to talk to her, but she's been brainwashed. Those dastards. Super hot and double brainwashed. Oh, man. So uh, combo. So, uh, Kenny and the Doc are both put on a golf cart and sent to meet the leader of Project Overkill, <laughs> number one. I mean, I don't, I don't lie, man. They put those, those guys are in a, in a golf cart. I know a golf it's, cart when I see one. It's so James Bond. It's amazing. It's very, like, underground base of James Bond, like the end of uh, Austin Powers when he's got that golf cart and he tries to, like, you know, back it up and gets caught in the middle of the walls or whatever. It's just yeah. like that, basically. And instead of meeting, like, a dastardly, I, I spin around in my swivel chair. Instead, the swivel chair is a giant computer with the, with the number one on it. I want to say a mea culpa to Fox because he called this last week and I was like, nah, it's not that. But it is. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that putting all human knowledge into one computer has made it self-aware and thus evil. In fact, the, the destruction of the base determined that mankind is obsolete and is starting by t- and it's going to get rid of it by starting by taking over the top U.S. nuclear plants, which will then be detonated within the hour as a show of force. Uh, Kenny has had enough of this, and after kicking the crap out of all of his human captors, he walks into the radiation-soaked core of the computer and blows it up. He walks into it. I just want everyone to soak this in. It is radiation everywhere. He walks in. He's all fucked up. He walks back out. His clothes are all messed up. He's disgustingly scarred. Everyone's like, oh my god. And by the way, everyone runs up to him afterwards. Pro tip, kids, if someone's walked into a nuclear reactor, don't get anywhere near them. Especially when it's so radioactive that it, like, messes up your clothes and stuff. Like, that's like, that's like where you can feel the rads, you know? (laughs) not good so Everyone gets very close to this man yeah. as he flies a plane yeah well then they all pile back into the plane which is suddenly fixed i guess and um yeah or, no, no i guess oh, no it's not the original plane it's somewhat whatever they all pile into a plane <laughs> there's a plane they get in they shoot out the side of the cliff it's just fine. as the mountain explodes and as the plane continues on kenny slips into a coma and dies his charge complete and overkill defeated the end of project overkill and, and mind you, the doctor is like, you know, I've been with him for all of two, maybe even two and a half progs, and now that he's dead, this is the first time I've seen him smile. Wow, Project Overkill! I, you know, okay, so was it this or Angel that gets all the shit? Angel. Okay, so Angel definitely deserves it. Uh, Project Overkill is awesome i think it's a fun conspiracy yarn and stuff i feel like it's actually not made fun of but more just sort of like forgotten almost which is really too bad like so this is about the length that we experienced for like death planet and death planet had a cool fucking name project overkill sounds lame from the outset like (laughs) overkill in general whatever concept but it ended up as like this James Bond conspiracy and this dude who's awesome and you learn a little bit of his backstory. It's so cool. Yeah, I agree. 
I agree. I was not expecting this to be good, and I was surprised by how much I liked it, honestly. I, I, I don't know. I If you guys are reading along, this is, this is not boring. Yeah. This is good. It's collected in one or two places, too, I think. You know. But hey, speaking of collections, or whatever... Non-thrills, nerve center, and mergers. And realistically, a lot of fucking people tracing pictures. Yeah, a lot of uh, questionable art here. But so, Prog 124, the cover of this issue is a pretty sweet image of Kilgore, the intergalactic hitman, the cover, <laughs> drawn by Carlos Esquera. But like... <laughs> Never no, seen from again. Yeah, there's no story. Like the only story to go with it is just in the nerve in the editorial in the nerve center. Tharg just says that he handled the hitman quite easily, and it was sent after him by the dictators of his rag or whatever. In other words, they needed more ad space for uh, you know tackle. Or they did, yeah, I think they just had like a cover lying around. And we're like, fine, let's just do this one. It'll be get get, get people to buy this comic this week. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yes, that was probably it, but it's just like, if I was a scare, it's like, come on, man. Come yeah. So uh, there's a letter from a girl asking for more heroines. Tharg promises to do so. We're still about 25 frogs out from Judge Anderson, so I'm not sure if he's referring to her or what, but we'll see, I guess. Well, that's... Oh, man, I'm actually excited for Anderson. Yeah. I mean, that's about half a year, so we'll see, you know. Um, right. We'll probably be dead. <laughs> no way, man. <laughs> deep in it so kids win um 10 pounds for a secondhand ufo sighting and for copying a page from a book boo to both um, yeah. mid prog however there's some very oh the guardian of crawl was my favorite by yeah. the way for obvious reasons yeah mid mid prog there's also some awesome alien drawings from readers i personally am partial to uh alvaron lord of the three sons but whatever okay. no because he's got a cool eye patch and a shield and a cane yeah man or a staff rather. there's some good good uh kid pictures in this one yeah uh, this issue ends with some of the results of the reader's survey from, from an episode or two ago. Oh, yeah. What's awesome? Yeah. I love the name of the towns, of, 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 of like all the British towns people are from. Like, there's, there's Barrow and Furnace. There's Upton Pontefract. There's Brosley and Brosley Salop. <laughs> which is, I don't know. I mean, I know this is like the lamest of all jokes, but all British town names are very funny to me, I guess. <laughs> Well, they definitely sound very fantasy because we've got places like, you know, Fresno or yeah. Austin. Well, I, I I wonder if to like an English person having all these town names that are like Spanish makes them very exotic, like San Francisco and San Jose oh, and yeah, stuff like as that. For, as opposed to like Poynton Berry's uh, mound. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so pretty Jeez. much... Pretty much everybody in the reader surveys hates Rick Random, which is fair. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, burn it to the ground. Burn it with fire and may it never return. Ah, bad news, buddy. In Prog, in Prog 125, there's letters about the missing House of the Far Future feature, which we'll see in an upcoming annual, I believe. Really? Yeah, and then there's a Twilight People Zone... People are asking for that? Someone does. And there's a Twilight Zone-esque... Uh, Long conversation about aliens not existing being conducted by alien story, which is pretty good, I think. Just what? And then there's a crazy cosmic vampire pictures. But we also get a return to the Green Cross Code. <laughs> I was actually going to admit, I actually have that written down. This one ends with a full color ad for the Green Cross Code, which Fox likes. I hate it. I hate everything about it. I read all of this, and it was still terrible. Also, in this prog, uh, Tharg enters his name in the first line of the What I Like coupon in the in the prog. 
So <laughs> it's like, what do you like? And there's one extra line for, for a number of thrills, and the first one's just it written in as Tharg. It's <laughs> really great. Yeah. Uh, Prague 126, Tharg teases the 2080 tornado merger happening next Prague, which is why um, Overkill and Dan Dare are closing down in this one to make way for the newbies. There's also a picture of a Rojas model, and like, there's a lot of these, but I always find them delightful, I gotta say. Oh no, it's adorable. This one's actually like pretty great, because he's got him right next to a garbage can. With, yeah. Like, you can kind of see the sludge on the side and stuff. <laughs> yeah, there's an, art, there's an art feature in the middle of this prog of just sort of random 2080 stuff. Mm -hmm. My favorite one is a picture of Dread by uh, Shaky Kane of St. James Exeter. Which makes an awesome use of like black and like negative space and stuff. And yeah. this picture was actually so good that I googled Shaky Kane um, on the internet. And he, in about 13 years, this artist, real name Michael uh, Coldhard, will show up on this podcast drawing a bunch of very distinctive thrills in the Progs magazine, including uh, Soul Gun Warrior and Soul Sisters, which I think is pretty awesome. Are you serious? Yeah. Because that was like the only original piece, and it looked awesome. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, it, I think that's really neat. And, you know, like, it's hard for me to call them out just because I forget a lot of times, but it's, it's neat to see, like, some guy sending in fan mail um, in the frog and then like eventually ending up being an actual 2080 artist and stuff I, I wonder if he used stencil because it's just so strikingly like rigid in shape but that's what adds like the flavor of how he did it like, yeah oh, I, mean, I mean the way he does it really you know you can really see his style and then he kind of moves to sort of a very um in 2000 in like the 2080 in the judge red magazine he does a very like kirby influenced style that i think is really it's really just oh, it's really awesome. distinctive if kind of i'd say um either loved or hated by the uh <laughs> by the sort of uh readership i'd say interesting well all i have to say to people pro or con is this is where this guy first showed up. That's pretty cool. I think it's neat. Um, it's one of the yeah. it's one of the crazy things about you know having these comics that go for like thirty or forty years. You know, is that eventually yeah. the kids that buy it end up being the creators. You know, hearts and minds. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. There's more survey cards and a lot of Rick Random hate, which I really appreciate calling out. You know. Uh, yeah, because Rick Random is horrible and no yeah. one should ever read it. Do not read it. In Do not read it. In Frog One. In Frog One Twenty Seven, it's the 2000 AD tornado merger. It's Zarjaz. Oh man, it's so Zarjaz that it's the first time I've heard Zarjaz. <laughs> um, so there's no nerve center this week. Instead, Tharg re-explains the concept of the comic and reintroduces himself, which is good hey, times. New, new listener episode <laughs> exactly also there's a bunch of james bond themed toy cars to be won which you know all right so i'll mention that like tornado came out you know soon after star lord closed it was sort of a more generic sort of hero uh, comic book like it just mm. sort of a bunch of stories from different places and situations and stuff like that it that makes sense given the like captain clap thing yeah and it's um it's host was this guy big e that was a superhero portrayed by um dan dare artist uh, dave gibbons in a superhero oh, cool. costume <laughs> oh. um he, you can see him on the cover of 127 but um yeah it's, it was sort of not long for this world and they just sort of fold this in they made changes to both of the comics as we'll see just to make it a little bit more 2080 friendly but speaking of things that are 2080 friendly and not long for this world. Oh, wow. Thrill 5, Dan Dare. <sighs> 
So script robot for Dan Dare is Tom Tully, art robot and letter robot both are Dave Gibbons pulling double duty. Doing a great job, Dave. <laughs> so Dan and Sondar are loose on topsoil, the uh, the uh, you know bad guy space station. Looking. I just for- want to mention right now that up until this point, Sondar has been like this passive, like let's do it, Dan, like whatever. Now he's like they've done the whole Peter Silk thing to him and just made him sassy for no reason. <laughs> it's true. Just- just like as you read this, get ready for some freaking Sondar back chat that you haven't expected <laughs> ever. Yeah, so they're looking for a Krogan, which is a shape-changing alien that they believe framed them. After it's all smelly and gross. Exactly. After narrowly avoiding being shanghaied by a bunch of space pirates and killing a bunch of them, Dan and Sondar make their way to Bar X, which is a pretty cool, obvious Star Wars rip-off cantina. <laughs> Yeah, but they've got they've got their own monsters designs, which I yeah. appreciate. No, it's fine. It's it, it's good. There's some good crowd shots for sure. Mm-hmm. There's a a three headed lady who sings her own harmony. Sondar detects a Krogan in the room, and when a lady asks Dan to buy her a drink, Sondar punches her in the face. That's not a woman. That's a Krogan, baby. And- and suddenly, all of the smugglers, pirates, and rapists get up and are like, "Oh, you had a girl." Yeah, well, that's what you do, you know. So the Krogan, um, so oh, sorry. So the Krogan in the back said, "Everyone attack!" And it turned into a ballroom blitz. Now, nah, but seriously, oh <laughs> there's a bunch that's more Krogans. There's a bunch more Krogans in the bar, and it turns into a big bar fight. Dan and Sondar follow the real Krogan out to the parking lot, where the Krogan turns into a space dog to run away after Dan Dare destroys his hover bike. But then, then the dog Krogan is attacked and killed by a pterodactyl thing. Which again, is, like what? <laughs> the pterodactyl's name is Zarks, and it belongs to a sexy lady named Morag with a star on her forehead. Uh, it's a beast mistress. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. She's gotten her revenge on the Krogan, but now the hope of Dan and Sondar clearing their names is dashed. Oh, God. Um, Morag says she's been following the Krogan to kill it for Morag. revenge. Morag, I'm sorry. Says she's no, been fo- no, it's the sexiest name of a woman ever. <laughs> she's been following the Krogan because it killed her husband and she's out for revenge. She's uh, definitely not a Wonder Woman kind of clone. <laughs> why. She tries to escape as the cops show up for the ballroom blitz, but Dad knocks her out and the guys kidnap her instead. They uh, fight their way back to the ship and they take off from topsoil. Uh, she wakes up and then she explains a whole bunch of crap. She just kind of, yeah, gives her upbringing, her sad upbringing on the world of Stygia. She agrees to join the team and the three of them head out to find the Mekon and clear Dan and Sondar's name. Oh, wait, no. They won't do that because this is the end of Dan Dare in 2000 AD, uh, not counting the upcoming annuals and specials that don't continue this story. And the next time there's a canonical Dan Dare story, it'll be about Dan's grandson in the pages of 90s grown up 2080 spin off Revolver. Oh my god. That's right. This is the end. things almost maybe get interesting with this boring, stupid comic. They're like, uh, never mind. No, that's the Dan Dare. That's the end of Dan Dare forever. Or wait, no, until next week when we do the Dan Dare annual for 1980. But then god, we're running like- out of Dan Dare. It's it's uh, it's like a really really bad Star Wars. It's like the way this started was kind of cool and interesting, but it wasn't the best. <laughs> and then the best one happened, and then it ended, and you were like, "Oh, Ewoks, I guess." <laughs> Something. I, it's like oh, it's been such a weird ride, Conrad. It's definitely been this a ro- is- we've been an up and down roller coaster in terms of quality of these uh, stories. Who the fuck is Revolver? <laughs> it's a uh, it's like. 
I think it's a monthly that comes out in like the early 90s that 2000 AD did. And it's a little bit more grown up. I'd say it's a little bit more like uh, like Warrior, which is the comic that like Alan Moore published, um, like V for Vendetta in and stuff like that. I got you. That's my understanding of it. I could definitely be wrong, but that's sort of how what I've picked up from what I've read and stuff like that. Look, we're scholars. We're going through chronologically... If you got some back chat for me, I've got some. All right. Hey, I'm in. I'm interested to see how it actually is. We won't be covering Revolver on the <laughs> podcast, though. I'll tell you that much. Oh um, my god, I'm good with not covering anything related to Dan Dare unless it goes back to the Dan Dare battle action playset where he genocides planets. I mean, apparently some of the later stuff is good and has sort of a good pedigree and stuff like that, but um, not right now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I'm. Oh god, I. have... I was gonna make jokes, but don't worry about talk it. Is something else. Yeah, we're just moving on to the new uh, tornado refugees, starting with Thrill Six Blackhawk. They're uh, yeah. Hold on. Just yeah, no, that's why I'm just like I I look at this thing and how they ended it, and I'm just like, oh god. <laughs> so uh, the script robot for Blackhawk is Kelvin Gosnell and Alan Grant, writing as Alvin Gaunt or Alan Grant. And both of them writing as Alvin Gaunt. The art robots, Massimo Bellardinelli. The letter robots, Tom Frame. How am I supposed to feel about this comic book? Do what you want, buddy. <laughs> Blackhawk is a badass Roman centurion of Nubian descent. Yep. He's killing hella dudes when suddenly he gets teleported up to a crazy alien <laughs> spaceship. He gets attacked by space dudes on the ship. And it turns out that this is basically all a job interview for a bunch of intergalactic gladiator guys. They're like, look, you could be like this centaur with fabulous hair. I love the pictures of just the gladiators hanging out doing gladiator stuff. <laughs> um, so they offer Blackhawk a chance, yeah, to become an awesome intergalactic gladiator, but Blackhawk refuses to become a slave again. Luckily, the boss gladiator has a plan to convince Blackhawk to join by having him face down a giant monster, which he won't be able to resist fighting. This plan works. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, wait, because he's just like, oh, you you can't kill it at all, I bet, or whatever. You wouldn't have survived. And he's like, oh, hell no, I'm going to kill this fucking troll. Absolutely, it's good. Uh, thrill, sorry, next up, Thrill 7, The Mind of Wolfie Smith. Which could be good. We'll see, yeah, script robot Tom Tully, art robot Ian Gibson, lettering robot John Aldrich. So this is, yeah, another tornado refugee. Wolfie Smith is a teenager with mental powers, just your general, like all the mental powers, I'd say, yeah. like telepathy, super smartness, telekinesis, all that stuff. He's an Esper. Yeah. You know. So um, everyone gives him a hard time, but he can't help the way he was born. And explodes his house with his parents and his professor inside. Uh, absolutely. Now he's a runaway trying to make ends meet. Um, you'd think his mental powers would give him fame and fortune and stuff. He definitely thinks so too, but nope. Instead, yeah. it gets him fired from his construction job when he saves a guy from a collapsing scaffolding before it starts collapsing. And they're like, that guy's weird because he totally can see the future. I mean, that's fair, honestly. He sees a uh, job offer at an employment bureau that looks promising when suddenly a car crashes near him and the driver runs out, chased by the cops. Wolfie follows and hears a voice in his head driving the man forward, forcing him to run from the cops, then to climb a building. As he climbs the building, both the man and Wolfie hear the voice telling the man to jump from the roof and kill himself. What's going on? Why can I hear these voices? Next time, Mind Killers. Which is kind of a cool thing. It's like there's a 
telepathic network out there making people do crazy stuff. Something. Finally, we go to Thrill 8, Captain Clep. God, it does get a page. <laughs> yeah, the script robot is uh, Dave Angus. The art robot's Kev O'Neill. It's the final Tornado Survivor. It's a one-panel comedy strip about Captain Klepp, a Superman-type hero who has misadventures, and this one he gets attacked by a boa constrictor and is almost eaten alive when Tharg shows up and offers Klepp a job at 2000 AD. All right. Yeah, it's like kind of welcoming him job. It's, it's like, <laughs> listen, it, you're amusing, apparently, So, and Earthlets find you funny. So you'd better be funny, or I'm going to basically shoot you. Yeah, it's very sort of baseline, but I kind of like Kev, uh, Kevin O'Neill's art, just sort of making this cartoonish superhero and stuff like that. But, you oh, know. Yeah. If you were going to make a Clark Kent that was a super, like, overly ridiculous Clark Kent, this is what he would look like. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, you know, it it looks like it's it, it's accomplishing what it's setting out to do. You know, we'll see exactly. how it goes. <laughs> It's like a it's like a Leno huge chin. Exactly, yeah. It's like a huge like mountain chin. It's like a it's like a, 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 a sea missile chin. <laughs> Anyhow, um. So hey, Fox, that's it for the thrills this month. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's it for the thrills this month. What are your top and bottom thrills for this? Uh, what July? No, August, nineteen seventy nine. Some oh, month in nineteen seventy nine. August. <laughs> hey, happy birthday to me. So, hey. <laughs> it's my birthday prog um, <clears throat> so this is where I get to split hairs because I actually think that there's probably four contenders um, for your attention here um, Judge Dredd's really, it, I'm just going to go through this really quick but yeah. Judge Dredd's really great at least for three progs but because it doesn't seal the deal with four I, I can't go with it but like this stuff with the uh, with the Father Earth and and blowing up things and plants eating people you just got to see it yeah that's real um, good yeah disaster 1990 do you like invasion there's even more invasion it's uh it's still getting its footing to me because it's still really really good but it's uh it's not quite as good as what i would pick as top uh-huh. and then of course uh project overkill i know it's ending you guys need to read it it's really really good but oh my god, ABC Warriors. <laughs> oh my god, ABC Warriors. Not only does it look good, it feels good, and there's just like excitement and action and just things going on in ABC Warriors. Yeah. ABC Warriors is beautiful and awesome, and you need to read it and look at it and witness it. Yeah, definitely a classic for a reason, for sure. What's your bottom thrill this month? Uh, I mean, Dan Dare. It, it, like, almost got interesting, and to know that the valve is off, it's kind of relieving. It's horrible. <laughs> its second iteration, or its third iteration was, uh, it was bad. I hear you. Yeah. So how about yourself, man? Well, I, I agree with Dan Dare's bottom thrill. I'm glad we finally kind of, kind of put this um, horse out to pasture, and we've <laughs> just done with Dan Dare. We've now finished, we've now basically, I guess once Disaster 1999 is done, we'll basically be done with all of the um, series that launched 2000 AD for the next, like, 10 years or something like mm-hmm. that, which is kind of interesting. Um, but Dan Dare, ready to go. Overstay its welcome. Glad it's gone. Um, Thank you, tornado. My uh, my top thrill, ugh. Like you said, there's a lot of good options here. 
I'm going to have to have, I feel like, one top thrill, and then like a top thrill A, a secondary one. Yeah, dude. Um, top thrills, ABC, like you said, ABC Warriors. Um, man, this is just classic stuff. Um, and all the, you know, it's such a, uh, it's such like an edifice or like a, an achievement just to do this stuff to make things seem very connected, despite the fact that there's like six artists working on this um, store mm-hmm. on, on this series. Um, I think each recruit has a different artist drawing the recruitment process. Which is awesome because it it still feels so beautiful each yeah. time you go to a new setting. And like I, I'm always a I'm always a sucker for the putting together a team to do a mission type um, story, <laughs> and that's all, exactly what this is. And so it really is right at my flagpole and stuff. Uh, but my my one A, my top A, my secondary top throw I want to say is Project Overkill, which um, yeah, really came out of nowhere for me. It was something that I really don't didn't remember from my first time reading through these progs, and I sort of just thought it was going to be another. Um, death planet or colony earth or something like that and turned out to actually be like a really neat little story that sort of you know told told its its narrative real quickly got in got out and did what it what what it wanted to do which i think was really really nice and really good when that sort of comes together you know well and you know i think what what it was missing versus its obvious comparison like this is mach one uh-huh. this is mach one done right <laughs> uh, is that he he is an everyman quote-unquote yeah pilot um, who does really amazing things and is somehow like left alive, mm-hmm. but then he just kicks the ass out of everybody, and you yeah. learn some history about him being kind of like this intense dude, and he just does does the things and still wins. We don't need an explanation for how he just kicks and punches everyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's it's this really fun comic, and uh, yeah, like I just wanted to give it special mention because I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, surprisingly. Definitely agreed. Okay, so I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or our podcast site at Cradleline.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner 2000 at gmail.com or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter. We're at spacespinner 2 k and it's getting we're starting to get pretty active on Twitter, which I really like. Um, hopefully, oh, yeah. hopefully we're even more active and more people are talking to us when this um, podcast actually sees the light of day. <laughs> well, whatever. For everything else, just look up Space Spinner 2000. We should be there. Come back next time when it's that time of year again, annual time. Ooh, I mean, yeah, yeah all right. We'll, s- <laughs> we'll start with the Dan Dare annual for 1980, which has a pretty fun Dan Dare story, a pretty nuts Judge Dredd story that's like 95% IPC comics in jokes, a couple future shocks, um, some like test stories and features, and um, like three different adventures of the UFO agents from the last um, Dan Dare annual. Really? And like the guys with the magic pens that like floated around? Yeah, and like the, the uh, UFO that they took to fight to fight bad guys. And then, yes, another old school Rick goddamn random story. Why? With the, with the why? four pages and stuff. Because you love it, that's why. Until- no, I hate it. <laughs> why? Until next time, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we... Our Space Spinner 2000. Spun Doug for three. <laughs> <laughs>